0: Attracting and retaining talent is key in any competitive market, including the recruitment industry. So, what should firms consider when looking to attract and develop the next crop of recruitment leaders? I'm Hamish Coots, you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SEEK. And we are at Talent Talks, coming live from the RCSA 2018 conference here in sunny Noosa. And I've been very kindly joined by Matt Sampson from Aspect. Welcome to you, Matt.
1: Thank you very much. It's good to be here.
0: Matt, your story particularly fascinates me because, um, and look, reading up a little bit about you, when I was 22 years of age, I can tell you I was pretty much struggling to, uh, I guess, make the jump from teenage into early adulthood. I certainly wasn't founding my own recruitment firm. So I guess a couple of questions to ask you there. One, um, why at 22 years of age? What motivated you to do that?
1: Yeah, so I was studying, um, commerce at Melbourne Uni and I, uh, I was one of a few people, frustratingly one of the few people who went out and actively pursued a career in recruitment. So I was in my final semester and, uh, decided I wanted to, wanted to join a recruitment consultancy. So I joined one of the big, um, international consultancies, worked there for a couple of years, thoroughly loved it, had a great time, um, learned a hell of a lot, but just started to see ways in which I wanted to, maybe do things a little bit differently and um, give clients and candidates maybe a slightly different experience. And I think when you work for a business which is so successful and so large, it's very hard for for uh, a young upstart like me to uh, to do it the way I wanted. So I had a chat to my regional director at the time and he said, if you want to do it that way, Samson, I suggest you go and do it yourself. So I took his advice maybe a little bit more literally right, than yeah. what, he, uh, what he meant. But um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was young, I was naive, I was debt-free and possibly a little bit arrogant. So decided... Yeah. Um, let's give it a go. Let's have a crack.
0: that was almost the second part of my, my question. Was the the benefit of youth, and 22, let's call it, still, yep. you're still very youthful. Yep. Did that, I guess, give you a feeling of uh, being bulletproof to a certain degree, or were you really quite nervous a- a- around starting up your own firm?
1: Yeah, I think there was a naivety there. I was certainly nervous about it, but we sort of looked at it as to what have we got to lose. Um, certainly, it set us back in life a little bit, but it wasn't mm. going to be catastrophic. You know, we didn't have... Uh, a mortgage at the time we didn't have kids we didn't even have a dog so my dependents were were pretty much zero Um, people often ask me would you you do it again yep 10 years ago absolutely but could I do it now I don't know I don't know.
0: You mentioned about what you, your vision you had for your clients yes. there, and then obviously interested in a couple of, but for the candidate experience as well. Even back then, uh, and you said that you worked for a really large recruiter. Did you see as well better things that you could, or better ways of doing things for candidates even at that stage?
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think that we were guilty of um, a master servant relationship. I think we very much treated employers, our clients, those who paid the bills, like they were our master, and we treated candidates like products that we were moving from A to B. So right. very much, yeah. Uh, as a servant or subservient to, to us. And I, I didn't particularly like that. It didn't sit well with me um, very much of the opinion that um, yeah, we should be working in partnership with everyone, whether you're a client paying the bills or whether you're a job seeker looking for your next, yeah. next role.
0: In terms of what you wanted for your consultants, so people working with you, and also you know an opportunity for them to, to grow and develop, H- how did you set about doing that in, in your new firm?
1: Yeah, it's a really good one, and it was really important. One of the things I set out to do, so... Um, My experience in recruitment was riddled with high turnover, people joining uh, and leaving within a matter of weeks. I think the average tenure at my uh, prior employer was about six months at the time. Mm. I think the the driver behind that is there wasn't an engagement with um, the career of a recruitment consultant. So I really wanted to set out a business uh, and get recruitment consultants that are proud to be recruitment consultants and wanted to build a career, not just come in and make make a little bit of money.
0: Now, obviously, it takes time when anybody starts a new job for them to actually find their feet and go on. Did you have to, I guess, adopt, well, a mindset that you wouldn't have seen in some of the bigger companies that actually, you know what, these people are going to take a little bit of time to develop, and perhaps the pipeline is Not going to come as quickly as what um, it ordinary, ordinarily would, unless I had a high turnover.
1: I think that's a great comment, and I think as recruitment consultants, we're often conditioned to seek out the most immediate gratification. Yeah. Where is the money coming from the quickest? Um, we started Aspect in January 2008. I resigned from my prior employer in October 2007, which was literally the month that the ASX uh, peaked and then went on a fairly slippery downhill slope for the next six months. So we started the business uh, in an economic downturn and we certainly learned a lot about resilience, we certainly learned a lot about uh, long-term partnerships and the importance of building those rather than pursuing uh, a quick win. Probably one of the best examples is one of my managers who's been with me for seven years and was billing far below um, the minimum expectation of him in his role for about two and a half years. It's a ballsy call. Do you, you know, do you wear that and do you hang on to someone like that? And we looked at it and we identified is it the person or is it the market? And we determined it was the market. The guy was doing a great job building these long term relationships and lo and behold, after his third year, he ended up being our highest biller for the next two years. So it's that sort of investment and commitments, You know, looking outside just for numbers, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't wasn't just about the money. It wasn't just about the activity. It was the partnerships that he was able to build.
0: That's an incredible statement. That that for two and a half years, somebody's billing below where they potentially should do. I mean, yeah. that that as I said again to make that point, that shows a great deal of courage from you. I, and also, yeah, absolutely, to identify the right people and stick with them.
1: And that's exactly it. And it wasn't just courage from me. It's also courage from, from that chap as well. As we know, um, our salaries and recruitment are largely driven by commission, and commission is largely driven by billings. And mm. he wasn't billing much money. We, we were a start firm. We weren't certainly paying uh, overs in terms of base salaries. So, you know, it was a, a team effort that we both stuck through, but we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, it came, yeah. came to fruition. And, and it
0: clearly worked, because for four years, 100% retention rate incredible in recruitment I am just incredible in any yeah. business Yeah, that must be something you're incredibly proud of
1: yeah we were incredibly proud of it we were spoilt it was during a period where we were growing and we were sort of exiting that startup phase into a growth period and I think what was what we did very well at the time was we recruited well and I always used to run it's pointless on a podcast because no one can see what I'm doing but we'd put uh, brand fit at the top in terms of what we were hiring for and then we'd put technical experience and um, billings uh, performance below that. So we found that we were hiring people who are connected with our purpose, and that's what retained them um, in our business, irrespective. I remember one of our consultants once said, said, the money comes and goes, it's the people aspect, and it's what we stand for, which is why, yeah. I, why I hang around. How many consultants in your firm at the moment, then? Uh, we're up to 26 staff as of today. We just brought someone on board uh, this morning, and I think there's 19 uh, consultants out of those 26. And how many clients have you got? Mm. Bloody good question, guys. Uh, <laughs> clients, uh, as Andrew Banks would describe, a client, someone uh, who we've um, built money with in the past 12 months, yeah. probably around the 200 to 250 yeah. mark, I'd say, active clients currently.
0: And I imagine a lot of those clients really bond and resonate with your style as a leader, um, as a business owner as well. That, 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 would, that would be quite important to them.
1: I think it's important to them, it's important to us as well, again coming back to that no-one's-master, no-one's-servant mentality, genuinely believe in the importance of partnership, and that's with our clients, that's with our candidates, that's with our own suppliers, and it's interesting, you know, recruiting recruiters through Rector X, of which there's some great ones out there, but putting mm-hmm. yourself in the shoes of a client and listening to what some, um, some recruiters tell you you truly appreciate the importance of building that partnership rather than a transactional sales type relationship
0: interested in your viewpoint of the industry at large particularly the talent that's coming into the industry yeah. and also matt where it's potentially coming from yeah and let's start with you know a bit of offshoring and and, yeah. and where those people are coming from why is it happening Yep. And what's the risk to the industry within Australia?
1: Yeah, I think we're we're at a bit of a crossroads at the moment. There's certainly a massive demand for recruitment services at the moment. Uh, I think most of my colleagues in the industry would say they are job-heavy and candidate light, uh, And with that comes a high demand for recruitment consultants. With that comes elevated salary expectations and... Um, Currently, we've got margin pressures, so uh, I think we need to get a little bit more creative about where we're finding our candidates. So, if you put in uh, the issues around uh, sponsoring recruitment consultants and the caveat around minimum base salaries, um, I think as an industry and certainly us as a business aspect, need to start looking at how we're going to to build our own uh, and what that looks like. I think we we need to reshape. Um, the perception of what a recruitment consultant does, I think the role of a recruitment consultant today is a hell of a lot different to what it was two years ago, let alone five years ago, and I think in five years it's gonna be, be very different again. Let's
0: expand on that a little bit. I'm interested in picking up that point, a yeah. hell of a lot different than what it was five years ago.
1: Yeah, I think when I first started in recruitment it was a job filler, putting buns on seats. Um, we were engaged by clients, they needed someone, we were engaged to find that person uh, and place them in a role. Um, now, I think for all of recruitment consultants, yes, there's absolutely a heavy sales uh, element to it. But there's a heavy sales element to a lawyer's role, to an accountant's role, to any service provider's role. Um, I think there's also a component of marketing. I think we should be uh, ambassadors for our clients. We should be marketing them to um, their... Current uh, or their potential candidates uh, marketplace. I think there's a um, real importance to understand basic employment law, OHS um, legislation, things like that, where we can provide more value to clients and to candidates outside of just finding a person for the role.
0: It seems to be an incredibly diverse set of skills that somebody would come in and operate as a really successful recruitment consultant. So therefore, a number of different industry verticals they could actually firstly take those skills yep. and move into. Yep. But conversely interesting in your opinion, getting people from, um, with transferable skill sets from other industries, is yes. that something that you sort of, you look at and, and where can we get people that will sit my business model?
1: It's something we're exploring at the moment we're just building out our what we're calling a um uh, not so much a trainee program but a rookie a rookie program so where can we find people traditionally we've always Um, looked for people who can plug in, do the role of recruitment consultant pretty quickly, very much guilty of what I described earlier about trying to uh, pursue immediate uh, gratification as quickly as we can. But I do think we need to look outside um, the recruitment industry. I do think we need to look into other industries, but we need to reshape the narrative of what a recruitment consultant does. And really, to Andrew Banks' points this morning, it's not so much about um, the skills and knowledge uh, of an individual, but more so the attributes that that they have, I think. Um, you know, elements of resilience um, is key. I think emotional intelligence being able to mm-hmm. effectively consult with uh, a diverse range of stakeholders is absolutely critical and people have those attributes from all backgrounds.
0: I'm interested, and in, in perhaps a little bit of a uh, go off, uh, off-skilter slightly, but um, everything you sort of speak about is very much those human elements in the way yes. that you are. And we'll talk about leadership a little bit later on, but there's a lot of talk around technology. Yep. Is it impacting positively yep. in the recruitment space? I- I'm really keen to get your viewpoint yep. on that.
1: Yeah. Um, probably the best quote, and I can't remember who, who gave it, um, around AI um, was, it's not coming for our jobs, it's coming for our tasks. I think there's an enormous opportunity. I don't think any recruitment consultant enjoys the administrative element of their job. Uh, There's a great opportunity to engage with tech firms and engage AI in our businesses to reduce, if not eliminate, some of that administration that will concurrently improve the user experience for clients, candidates, and also really importantly, recruitment consultants as well. So I'm a big advocate for utilizing it. I think their human... The human capability to identify who looks right on paper but is wrong for the role, I think we're a long way from that being replicated by AI anytime soon.
0: Matt Sampson is the Managing Director of Aspect Personnel and he joined me at the desk at the 2018 RCSA Conference in Noosa. Let's talk about leadership a little bit. You are still a young leader. I'm interested in your viewpoint around what really makes a successful leader within the recruitment industry.
1: I think first and foremost, you need to have a passion for the industry. I think you need to see um, recruitment as a career, um, not a pit stop along the way. Um, As we all know, there's certainly highs and lows, and those highs and lows get compounded when you are perhaps leading a team or leading a division or or even leading a a, a company. So... um, you know, having a long-term commitment to the role, to the industry, is important. Um, emotional intelligence, I touched on before, I think, is very important, and um, patience as well. And I think that's only going to become more and more important as we, um, personally, us as a business, shift towards um, hiring more junior staff and appreciating that uh, you know it is a. Diverse and complicated role, so we need to be patient as people develop in in the role, uh, and transparency yeah. as well. I think we are riddled with over promising and under delivering. Um, as recruitment leaders, we are trained to understand what people's motivators are and trained to appeal to those motivators. So, uh, I've heard of a lot of promises being broken um, over the years, and I think that's what. And disengages um, with recruitment consultants, and, and often why they exit the industry.
0: What programs do you have in place to develop the next set of leaders at Aspect?
1: It's really interesting, as I touched on before. We we're developing a rookie program. I think that's really important. We as an industry and as a business have been guilty of spending a lot of time training our consultants how to recruit and not a lot of time training them how to lead so we've engaged a a couple of consultants over the past few years to really look at well what are the important traits outside of recruitment attributes and recruitment skills uh, that are relevant to leadership and who are the um, educators who are the thought leaders in that space who can come in and provide a little bit of guidance um, I'm a big advocate for making our staff more valuable when they leave our business and when they started and I think if we can build some transferable skills that will not only help retain them in the business but it will also help them as they uh, transition to the next. For emerging
0: leaders, for existing leaders even in the, in the recruitment industry, what advice do you have um, as the way that we work actually changes so radically?
1: I think it's it's changed massively. I don't think for a recruitment industry. I mean I was conditioned. I worked eight till six actually I worked seven thirty till seven PM for the first six years of my career and that's yeah. just how I was conditioned. Um I don't think the world works like that anymore. I think um, I know a lot of our staff are taking calls, checking emails far later into the night than what I would like, and I think we need to appreciate that um, No, very few jobs are a nine-to-five job anymore, certainly not one which is client-facing and, uh, and providing services. So I think there's an opportunity for us um, as a business and, and perhaps as an industry to embrace that and drive that flexibility. We've just rolled out a, um, a flexibility policy at work which allows any of our staff to start any time before 10.30 a.m. and leave anytime after 3 p.m. on candidly scared shitless about what the results will be we've rolled it out for two months and so far our results have improved our staff morale is a hell of a lot happier people have got that work life balance that they're looking for they get to go to the gym they get to spend time with their kids uh, and they just like working
0: Matt continued success to you thank, thank you, you so much for popping thank by you and, for having chat. Us. and enjoy the rest of the conference likewise thank you guys that was Matt Sampson Managing Director of Aspect Personnel at the 2018 RCSA Conference.